This is Canada Reads American Style, featuring two friends who love Canada Reads and Canadian literature. Welcome our host Rebecca from Michigan and Tara from Ontario. Hi everyone, it is Rebecca and Tara, and today is the first day of October, which means we are going to be talking about creepy books. Spooky season. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I had to do that, even though I'm like, it's so cheesy. I'm like, I gotta do it. (laughs) Well, I think think we've sufficiently scared scared a few people. Maybe, maybe, who knows? Maybe, maybe. I've had that effect before. When... (laughs) So before we jump into uh, our books that we're going to talk about, uh, what's been going on with you? Oh, gosh. I Oh, I did have like a little bookish adventure last weekend. Uh, the Newfoundland writer, Michael Crummy, was at our local library, and I got to go hear him read from his and discuss his newest book, which was uh, uh, The Adversary. So I was that was super amazing because I love him. He's one of my favorite authors. I think it's the third time I've heard him read. And then I got to meet him afterwards and have my book signed. So that's wow, awesome. I didn't even know that. I that's meant to amazing. tell you, I forgot. Yeah. No, that's okay. That is cool. Yeah, because I haven't read any of his books yet, but I mm. want to. Yeah. And uh, maybe I'll have to have you recommend like what your favorite one of his is Ooh, for me to one. read. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to think about that. Oh, wow. That's yeah. so cool. Well, I'm what about kind of, you? I'm jealous because we just don't get any authors really around where I live, unfortunately. But you, you've had some great people that you've. We have, and our library has been really like knocking it out of the park, knocking it, kicking it. What's the word? I don't know what the word is. Yeah. They've been doing a great job of getting some fantastic authors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to. I just realized when you said that about your public library, what our what I did this week with our public library, I don't know if people are aware or have heard of a mall, the twelve foot puppet that represents a ten year old Syrian girl. I'll put a link to it in the in the show notes. But she actually made a trip to Flint, um, the Flint Public Library. She was in Dearborn, Michigan, earlier in the day, and then she came to Flint and. She is seriously a 12-foot puppet with a man who is in the body of the puppet. And you can actually see him through the like the top of her her outfit. Yeah. Like her 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 blouse or top or whatever. And then she has two people, one on either side, that move her hands. And her hair is like ribbons. I mean, anyway, it's so beautiful. And she's supposed to represent this. A Syrian refugee who lost her mother. And so they say she's looking for her mother. So she travels all over the world and you can walk with her. So I actually got to walk with Amal this week. And I have to tell you, it was so emotional because yeah. they had at the end of the walk, which was just down the street in front of the library, they had a this like arch set up with flowers all over it. And then she walks through it and they had a choir singing when she went through it and oh beautiful it was so emotional and the children oh my gosh they were saying things like they said to the kids do you want to say anything to her and they were saying like we love you have a safe journey oh Oh. it was 
so beautiful. I'm, yeah. I'm so teary, teary about it because it was just an amazing experience. And I have to tell you, I had not even heard of a mall until about a few weeks ago. And my sister said, she's going to be in Flint. So I had to go. And yeah. it was just an amazing opportunity and experience. And so if anybody has a chance to, to go and see her and they have a a fund that you can contribute to as well to help refugees and everything. Anyway, it was just absolutely an amazing experience. So that's what I did this week. Nice. I knew you were going to do that, but I didn't realize that was this week. Yeah. I'll have to send you, I'll send you the one video because seriously, when she was walking toward that arch and the choir was singing, ugh, and it was like, it was like dusk. It was so, so, so beautiful. The moment. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, Okay, so from that <laughs> to creepy, scary <laughs> books a great for segue. <laughs> Halloween. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for Halloween books. So we're gonna let you go first since since this is kind of your genre. You love kind of these scary horror. I really do. And I've got some good ones today and some not so scary, but these are oh. all books that I plan on reading in October. So I'm really excited for my like spooky reading in October. Yay. So the first one I'm going to bring, oh, I also want to preface this so when we last week when I started to get ready for this episode I went into my old went to my oldest Keegan who's really this is this is Keegan's genre like Keegan Mm -hmm. loves spooky stuff and Halloween or you know and spooky stories and stuff so I went to Keegan and said this is what we're doing I need some books and Keegan just started going through (laughs) It's books and like throwing them at me. And I was like, oh, this is, yep, this one, yes, for sure. So these, all of the books I'm bringing today are from Keegan's own personal library. Ooh, cool. So yes. So Keegan had some great recommendations. So I'm very excited. Some that I were already on my radar, but uh, one in particular that wasn't. Okay, but first I'm going to start with uh, The Marigold by uh, local author Andrew F. Sullivan. He actually lives just down the road in Hamilton from me. And Keegan was lucky enough to uh, do a writing workshop with Andrew in the spring, in April. Wow. Yes, cool. and got a copy of his book from him then and had it signed. And I will let you know, I opened it up to the page where he had it signed and Andrew signed it, Embrace the Wet, which I I was just like a really creepy and awesome way to sign his book. Yeah. Here's a quick little synopsis about it just to get you excited. So the Marigold is a condo tower that crumbles around its residents as a mysterious sludge spreads slowly through it. It weaves a disparate weaves together a disparate number of storylines, which is a technique I love. I love when various storylines and characters all seem to come together at some point in the story. I love that with mm-hmm. elements of body horror, urban dystopia and eco-fiction and the cast of characters. So there's a public health inspector, a rideshare driver, a teenager chasing her friend who has been snatched by an underground creature and a struggling son of an established developer. So I just, I'm like really excited to read this book. I think Keegan told me that Andrew described it as a mold that makes people want to kill or something like something along that line. So I was like, yeah, bring it on. I'm reading this book. Yeah, that's creepy. Okay. So book two that I have, I, this will not be, 
this will be familiar to people. So this is The Daughter of Dr. Moreau by Sylvia Marino-Garcia, another Canadian author. A historical drama which reimagines the island of Dr. Moreau set against the backdrop of 19th century Mexico. So Carlotta Moreau is the only daughter of Dr. Moreau, a re researcher who is either a genius or a madman. Inhabiting the luxurious estate, along with father and daughter, are his assistant, an alcoholic with a tragic past, and the hybrids, the part human, part animal creations of the doctors meant to blindly obey his orders. An unexpected visitor upsets their perfectly balanced world and sets in motion a dangerous chain reaction. So again, I'm really look. I love her writing, so I'm really looking forward. This one's been on my radar since it published in 22 to read it. So, I'm you know, I just looked that up because <laughs> I was thinking it says here, which I forgot this, but it says it's based on an 1896 novel, The Island of Dr. Moreau by H.G. <laughs> Wells. Yes. But that part I actually forgot, but I thought there was like a really, I thought they made a movie version of it like a million years ago or something. Because I feel like I saw it, but maybe I never was, did with, see wasn't it. Wasn't there with uh, Marlon Brando? Yeah, wrong? but that one it looks like was made in, it says 19, that can't be right. It, I think it's fairly. 1996? Fairly, yeah, I was going to say, I thought it was when he was older. Hmm. So you're thinking of like an even older version of it? Yeah, but I, I'll have to... Um, I don't know. I'll have to look that up. That's really interesting because it does say 1996 and I'm pretty confident I did not see this when it came out there. I feel like there was like a really early, early, early version of this. It wouldn't surprise oh, me. Oh, there was a 1977 with Burt Lancaster, but I still feel like there was one sooner than that. But I will look that up and if I do find it... I will mark that in the notes, but yeah. in that, I must be thinking of something else. But anyway. No, I, I would not surprise me because it's it's an old book and it's yeah. very like well known. Right. So I'm I'm curious to see what she's I haven't read the original, but I am curious uh, to see what she's done with the story anyways. Oh, yeah. That's really her lane. I mean, I think she's really reimagining you know, gothic stories and and everything so that's pretty yeah, amazing and putting so. them in like a, a mexican setting it's it's mm -hmm. really quite cool yeah okay now it wouldn't be october and spooky reading for me without a grady hendrix book <laughs> i think i brought grady hendrix to the podcast before american writer so this is a slightly older book this is from 2018 and it's called we sold our souls uh, has a really cool, it looks the cover, this edition anyways, there's a new edition that just came out, but this, uh, the fir first paperback, uh, it looks like the cover of a Rolling Stone magazine. It's very cool. Oh, wow. So this one is described as a hard rocking, spine tingling horror novel about a washed up guitarist of a 90s heavy metal band who embarks on an epic road trip. I love a road trip book. Mm -hmm. Love a road trip book. From the Pennsylvania Rust Belt to a celebrity rehab center to a satanic music festival. <laughs> Sign me up. Done. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now no. that one you have read. No, no, I haven't read this oh, one. No, oh, I've read okay. I've read most of Grady Hendrick's books, but this one I haven't, and I've been kind of saving that for uh October for the last yeah. few months. So so I'm looking forward to that one. And he also I think 
Keegan and I saw recently, he has a new one coming out within the next year or something. So that'll be fun too. For my last book that I'm going to bring, this is a new one that Keegan just picked up today. Like minutes before I jumped on to talk with you, Keegan just got back from the bookstore and was like, I bought this book. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it's called Camp Damascus by the author is Chuck Tingle, which I think is a great name. Okay. So I think the cover looks amazing and it looks super spooky, but I was intrigued by this for a couple of things. First, the author, so Chuck Tingle, uh, from what Keegan has told me, and so, and hopefully I remember this correctly, is known for his more erotic and fantasy fiction that he has published online. But he publishes it with his name, but he's like anonymous in that he always wears a mask. So he, in all of his mm. publicity shots, he doesn't show his face. Ooh, and that's that name, Chuck Tingle, that's, it's got to be like a pseudonym. It's just such a great name. So yeah. I find that really interesting. And this is his first traditionally published horror book. Mm-hmm. And even if you read like his little, uh, the author bio at the end says Tingle writes to prove love is real because love is the most important tool we have when resisting the endless cosmic void. Not everything people say about Tingle is true, but the important parts are. So I just love that. But let's get to the book. Okay. So Camp Damascus, and I'm going to just read from the back of the book. So I haven't like put together my own little synopsis because I haven't had time. Uh, Welcome to a God-fearing community with a heart of gold. Nestled high up in the mountains is Camp Damascus, the self-proclaimed most effective gay conversion camp in the country. Here, a life free from sin awaits. But the secret behind that success is anything but holy. From Chuck Tingle, beloved internet icon, comes a searing and earnest horror debut about the demons the queer community faces in this country the price of keeping secrets and finding the courage to burn it all down. Right? Wow. That right? sounds incredible. Yes. And on his, on the cover, there's blurbs from NK Jemison, who's my gosh, I think has won the Hugo for her fantasy work like three times. John Scalza, another best-selling author and T Kingfisher, who also, who I haven't read, but I have yeah. uh, intentions of reading. So I'm like, so those, when I saw those blurbs on the cover, I told Keegan, like, with his name, the cover, and the blurbs, I'm like, and the description, I'm sold on this book without even knowing anything about the author anyways. Yeah. But that's like, I'm going to call that Keegan's Fine, because that sounds like a great yeah. spooky one. That one really does. Now, I have to laugh because I looked up. I wanted to see what the cover looked like. So I looked it up on Goodreads. And what it says under the author profile, it says it has a picture of him with a pink bag over his head with sunglasses. And it says Chuck Tingle is a mysterious force of energy behind sunglasses and a pink mask. He is also an anonymous author of romance, horror, and fantasy. He was born in Home of Truth, Utah, and now splits time between Billings, Montana, and Los Angeles. Wow. I know. That's fascinating. Had mentioned him to me, like, I would say at least a year ago as like someone that Keegan reads on the internet and stuff. And I'm like, I never, what? I've never heard of this person. So I'm really excited to finally read something. 
that those are all really that's a real mix of books those are that's really fascinating yeah i think i got like some real like traditional scary some body horror a fun spooky and like the grady hendrix and then a a more gothic one with the the garcia book yeah good blend for everyone good i I know really there's something for everybody in your i think so and i have to say that I think I am bringing two books that I've read yep. that I want to highly recommend. And I'm trying to decide which one do I go with first. I think I'll start with the creepiest one. Yeah. Leah, yeah. Do that. All right. So give me a second here. Now I just realized <laughs> I have to find it again. And because I want to. Suspense. This is part of the spooky reading. You're there you go. Suspense. I'm building suspense. Yes. I like that. Yeah. Okay, I've talked about this book before, but I read it when it came out or a long, long time ago. So uh, let me see what year did it come out. Now that's an, a republish. And, well, no, actually it could have, might have been originally published in 2002. But anyway, okay. one of my favorite authors, Val McDermott, we talked about her so many times. Oh, she's yes. a Scottish, she's a Scottish, as Jonathan Whitelaw said, a Scottish grandma. Yep. And she was a crime writer, crime a reporter in Scotland. And became a best-selling worldwide phenomenon in her field of crime writing. And this was the first book in the series for Tony Hill and Carol Jordan. And I have to laugh. I think I've even mentioned this before. But when I I had a friend who I didn't know her reading taste that well. So she said, oh, I like mysteries. I said, oh, I've got this great mystery for you. But I'm going to tell you, it's really graphic. Mm. And then she well, she didn't read too far into it, and then she never asked me for a recommendation again ever after that. <laughs> she did not write it. She looked traumatized, and so I'm just warning you, if you like your crime dramas really graphic and really scary and explicit, this is a great book. Yeah. So, yep. and it's not normally the stuff I read, but I love Al McDermott. So let me just tell you a little bit. According to Goodreads, it said, the bodies of four men have been discovered in the town of Bradfield. Enlisted to investigate is criminal psychologist Tony Hill. Even for a seasoned professional, the series of mutilation sex murders is unlike anything he's encountered before. But profiling the psychopath is not beyond him. Hill's own past has made him the perfect man to comprehend the killer's motives. It's also made him the perfect victim. Mm. Yeah. Did you read it? I feel like I did. Your description of it is perfect because <laughs> I would say it was like a year ago I read it mm-hmm. within the last year, uh, maybe about a year ago. And there is one scene in particular yep. that has not left my brain. <laughs> and I don't think it's ever going to. And, you know, no. without saying which scene it is, I know we're talking about the same scene. Totally know we are. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because. I want it to go. I yeah. want it to go away. Yeah, because <laughs> I pretty much read it. Maybe not in 2002, but shortly after that. So it's been 20 years since I read that book. And I agree with you. There's a scene that you just can never, yeah, will never leave you. Yeah. And uh, great book. I love, I love, I love the series. And so I just want to highly, highly recommend Val McDermott because yeah. she's written also the Karen Peary series, which is now uh, on BritBox. I watched the, the TV series of it. Oh, yeah. It was really good. Uh, that was really great. And I haven't read Karen Peary, her series yet, but uh, and I think she has some others and she has standalone titles. She's a prolific writer. So if you like her, there are so many books within her canon for you to dive into. So I highly recommend that. And then 
I said this in my Instagram post, but I joined this online book club and we voted for the next book to read. And since it's October, uh, we selected How to Survive Your Murder by Danielle Valentine. And I just want to mention that she, that is a pseudonym for Danielle Vega, who she is as well, because she is a best-selling horror novelist. And she's written, I'm just going to throw these titles out here, The Merciless Series, Survive the Night, The Haunted, and The Unleashed. And it says, uh, oh, and it says The Unleashed has been optioned for film and television, blah, blah, blah. So she's written this YA mystery. and Or actually not mystery, it's horror. (laughs) So here's what it's about. It says, Alice Lawrence is the sole witness in her sister's murder trial. And in the year since Claire's death, Alice's life has completely fallen apart. Her parents have gotten divorced. She's moved into an apartment that smells like baloney, and she is being forced to face her sister's killer and a courtroom full of people who doubt what she saw in the corn maze a year prior. I loved this book. I will recommend this book to everyone. It is fun. It's scary. I think it's appropriately scary. It's a real take on teen horror films, which makes it even funnier. And I'm not going to say much about it because I don't want to give anything away. Again, I always love to go into a book with knowing nothing or very little so I can be surprised where I need to be surprised. So I will just say that if you read this book and you don't like it, I'll send you a dollar. I swear. <laughs> I will send I don't have that much money. I'm, re- I'm retired and on a fixed income. But if you read this book and you do not like it, I will send you a dollar. Okay. So now don't like all of a sudden we have like 100,000 fans. Yeah. So that's not going to happen. No. But I'm serious. It was so, it was so much fun. Uh, the first scare, the first chapter actually kind of scared me because it's it lays the groundwork for what mm-hmm. happens. But I just thought it was fun and scary and a, just to me, if you're looking for something to jumpstart your reading, let's say you're in a little bit of a slump, read this book. I promise you will love it. Yeah, it sounds super fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It was. It was. I thought she was great, and it made me actually want to read some of her adult horror because mm-hmm. I thought if this one was this fun. I think the other ones, because her writing is just really, you know, it's just really accessible, really, you know, fast read and everything. So I do want to check out her other titles. Yeah. Well, horror is really fun anyways, because I know it sounds like it shouldn't be, Mm -hmm. but it's a a great way I find for authors to really deep dive into like current issues. Yeah. But behind the like charade of doing something fun, you know, like it's, it's really interesting what, what you can get into when you think you're only reading about murder, yeah, but there's like social family issues going on at the same time. It's it's kind of cool. Yeah, and it's really escapist because yeah, it, I mean we hope that the horror that we read in these books doesn't actually happen. We know that sometimes it does, and mm-hmm. it it is it's not like it's never happened, but uh, it's still escapist where you can just dive into it and. The only reason I don't read a lot of it, and I've said this before too, is I'm I have um, a great ability to scare myself, and so if I read a lot of stuff at nighttime, I can't sleep at night, or I think I see shadows, I think I hear noises. I'm not kidding. But yeah. if I like, I read this one in the daytime, mostly in the daytime, so that worked for me. Yeah. So uh, we do have some time left. Do you want to talk yeah. about what you're currently reading? 
Sure, sure. So I am currently reading my fiction book is called All the World's a Wonder by Melia McClure. And this is about, oh, very quickly, I'm about halfway through it and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, there's a playwright, a very successful playwright, who attributes her success to being visited by her muses. So the stories that she tells on stage are the stories of the muses, often sometimes dead people who visit her and tell her their story. So it's really, it's really cool because you're like, at first you're like, is she like multiple personality? It's very, it's, so it's very interesting. And then there's her psychologist or the psychiatrist who is treating her, but has a tragic past as well. And then a third character is actually one of her muses is one of the third characters and you get her story. It's like very, um, I know it doesn't sound, I'm not doing it justice in my description, but it is very entertaining. I'm liking all the voices and it coming together in a very cool way. No, it's kind of interesting because uh, I'm kind of reading along with you a little bit about what it's about mm-hmm. too, but is it... What category would you put this in exactly? Because is it, is it seems a little like, is it suspenseful? Is it like, what is it? It's interesting. Yeah. See, like I would, part of it, I would think is almost like a little bit of historical fiction. Cause like I Mm. said, one of the characters, one of the muses is from early 1900s. So I would almost consider that like you get her story. She's, she was an actress who uh, participated was in the um, Siegfried Follies. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that review show or something. Mm-hmm. So that part of it, I like getting the background of that. So it's almost like a little historical in that part of it. But then there is some suspense in that you don't know the psychiatrist has a dark side. Yeah. And a dark past. And I'm now at that point where I'm starting to find well, hopefully find out what's going on. Like you, you're really realizing how dark his past is. Is there a little bit of time travel kind of stuff going on too? In the sense that the muse, whose name is Maxine, mm-hmm. like she's visiting the playwright who is like in our present day, mm-hmm. but she talks as if it's 1920s. Like she's like a character. uh, I think they're in New York city. Actually they are. And she is someone from the 1920s. Who's now going outside the apartment in present day, New York going, well, like this is a super strange place, but you know, so it's, so she's experiencing present day New York as a 1920s person. So there is like a little element. It's very, um, it's very unique. It is very unique. And then even parts of it interspersed are written as a play. So some of the exchange between the playwright and the psychiatrist are written as a play, as a script. Okay. This is really fascinating. Now, where did you come across this book? That's so interesting. This one was actually sent to me from Radiant Press, the publisher. Oh, Through the Halle Gadry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guest here, right? So she's one of their publicists. So she sent it to me. And so, yeah, it's it's fascinating. 
It's yeah. really good. I think I'll bring it and mention it another time, but you can for sure purchase it from uh, the publisher's website, Radiant Press, which we will put into the show notes. Cool. All right. I'm writing that down so I don't forget. Okay. Yeah. Radiant Press. All right. Good. And what I am currently reading is my first Richard Wagamese mm-hmm. novel, A Quality of Light. And I think this was published back like in the late 1990s, maybe 97, something like that. But it says Joshua Kane, an Ojibwe boy, has lived since infancy with his white adoptive parents. Johnny Gephardt is white and from a young age has had a fascination with indigenous culture, craving the spirituality and strength he associates with it. And basically it's Mm. about these, they're adult men now about 40 when the book starts and Johnny, the white young man or the white man, he is holed up in a facility somewhere with, I think bombs attached to him, getting ready to blow something up. Yeah. And as a protest. And then Joshua is now a minister. He becomes a Presbyterian minister, even though he's indigenous, he was raised in this white family. And he, they said, you used to be friends and he's asking for you. So he goes to fly to, uh, I think he's in Manitoba. I can't remember. Saskatchewan. I can't remember, but he, he's going to fly to try to basically talk Johnny down from what's about to happen. Then the book jumps into their past as when they meet at the age of 10 and kind of goes from there. It is poetic. It is so beautiful. I'm loving it. It makes me want to read every single thing that Richard Wagamese has written. Yeah. And what a tragedy that he died so young. He died at 61. And that is just just such a tragedy. But the world really lost something to him so young. But anyway, absolutely loving it. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm currently reading. Wow. Beautiful. I love Wagamese. That's not one I haven't read. I haven't heard of that one, actually. Yeah. It sounds really good. I think, too, I think for the average reader, you know, Indian Horse is the one you always think of, right? And I haven't read it, but I did see the movie because I actually saw the movie before I knew who he was. And then when I looked it up, I was like, oh, this was a novel. I didn't realize it because I was, this was whatever year the movie came out 2018 or something like that and uh when i went to indigo over uh, beginning of december last year i went to the section because i knew i wanted to buy something by richard wagamese and this book and another one called keeper and me were the two that were on the shelf mm-hmm. indian horse wasn't even there so anyway i grabbed what i could nice i think you made a good choice yeah oh absolutely i'm very yeah. very very happy about that i guess that wraps up our creepy books podcast and we hope that you found something i believe you will find something among the books we've talked about that will suit your needs for october yep so we'll have all the titles of the books will be in our show notes so if you miss something just check out the show notes and happy spooky reading thank you for joining us on our bookish journey if you enjoyed this episode please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing Canada Reads American Style wherever you listen. You can connect with the podcast and Rebecca on Instagram at Canada Reads American Style and with Tara at On a Branch Reads. Until next time, keep reading.